0: Okay, here we are, episode eight, Barnsley's birthday episode. James, happy, welcome. Happy 84th, Barns. You, <laughs> you don't look a day over a And uh, we've got a special guest on Round the Grounds today. It's Liz Ellis. Liz.
1: Oh, hi. This you is... do this every week, but... I know, but like you guys are much better looking than the people I do it with. <laughs> and work. we're in the shed. Exactly. Yeah. I don't normally do it with some uh, Vin Rouge. Bloody so good So
0: we're going to go Round the Grounds. So if we start with rugby tonight, Liz, so... What what do you think on the hard stance of uh, what actually wasn't the Australian Rugby Union, it was Queensland Rugby Union on the free players um, effectively not taking the pay cut, which most sports across the board, um, NRL, AFL, netball, A-League, they've all taken pay cuts.
1: Yeah, super disappointed that those players didn't take the pay cuts. I get that you've got to look after yourself, but we're in such uncharted waters at the moment. And if I look at my own sport, the netball players, basically, it was at one meeting. Had a what, what did they take? They took a seventy percent pay cut, mm. and, and that's seventy percent of not much. If you're on minimum wage, minimum wage is twenty two thousand bucks a year. You know they've each to their own, but it's not the right. It's not a great time to be out in the job market, is it?
2: No, but I think that they're going to get deals in Japan. I don't think that they've taken this stance as a result. And Anthony Picone, oh, I've had dealings with him in the past, mate. He's um, look, Roofless. he's a good manager. He's ruthless. He's good at his job. And okay. He will have he will have sourced them a deal in Japan. Well, they I not I don't think they're doing this as a result of look. Let's look at Anthony. You know, Isaac Rodder, local boy, Lismore product. He's signed a four year deal. I think um, Isaac Lucas is in a similar position. And Hocking, Tommy Hocking. Yeah, the no, Hocking. Well, I played with Tommy, but he's you know he's obviously his brother. Is they're phenomenal, all really talented players. I wouldn't want to lose them to the Australian game, but I think it's a good stance that the AU has taken. But um, Barnes,
3: do you think, like, they've signed, like, long-term deals at the Reds. They're not far from where they've grown up. Yeah. And now they have to go and play just because they're chasing money in a completely different country. It could be still pretty out of sorts with corona and stuff as well. Like, they're going into pretty uncharted. They've
2: taken a t- risk there. But having <laughs> – having, look, they've taken like how a much
3: of- money are you willing to take to have that sort of lifestyle? I don't know. Yeah, I, you'd look, have to, mate. You'd have to pay it's another. a hard
2: one for me, mate, because I I love my time in Japan. And if you go to the right club there, mate – you know what I mean? That was one of the hardest things for me. I went up there and I I, I had the intention of doing one year and I did seven. I loved it. But but the thing is I think we've just got to make the environment here in Australia one that you don't want to leave. And that's what the Kiwis have and we don't have. They don't want to leave their environment because the carrot are playing for the All Black jersey and we've got to get that back here in Australia. And I think the coaching staff we've got assembled is one which hopefully players will want to play for. And I think the stance they've taken is one that if you want to be a part of it, get on board, else go and do your thing.
3: I just can't imagine those guys, once they get there and they get into it, I just can't imagine them because they've left for a certain reason. You didn't leave for yeah. that reason. Yeah, well, left. I
2: didn't. No, I didn't. But I think the only thing that'll go is if we have success in Australia. Yeah. If they we have success here, they'll be going, shit, I wish I stayed. But if we don't, then they'll be like, well, I'm vindicated.
0: So the big cat was out on the weekend, Tiger Woods, uh, the Mickelson, Brady, Payton, Golf. Uh, the week before, the Matt Wolf, uh, Ricky Fowler, Rory and Dustin Johnson, 2.3 million viewers on the weekend. Yep. Big cat out, 6.5. The
2: big cat you're talking about is Tiger. Tiger. Yep. Liz, you're a big golfer?
1: <laughs> mm. I played a bit of golf before I had children. Before I retired from golf, my handicap was 36. But in my heyday, I had been as low as 35. Does that answer your question? You got a lot in common with Woody. Yeah, yeah. I'm a shocking golfer. But you know what? I hate any sport where you compete against yourself. That's just shit. So if you get if, if we get to te- if
0: we get to team sports, then so two countries that have actually kept their soccer. Premier League's going uh, during uh, COVID is uh, Russian Premier League mm-hmm. South and, Korean. and the South Korean K-League. So what they've done for in Russia, what they did for no crowds at all, is they actually went to cardboard cutouts.
1: Mm. And the K-League?
0: K-League went to? Sex dolls.
1: Sex dolls. Sex dolls. But, yeah. you, but you didn't think we'd get to that point so quickly, Blow up you? sex dolls. Blow up sex dolls. But, you know, they put them out and then the, it was like the fans who arced up about it. Imagine being the first fan to go... That's a sex doll. How do you know? (laughs) (laughs) And they
0: got fined 82 grand US. So we move on to the NRL. So obviously, uh, we've all been extremely excited. We've got one more sleep. NRL's back tomorrow night, Parramatta, Brisbane. Uh, Broncos Barnsley You've got your powers Jumper on Is that one of your
2: original? Well it's a retro jersey And Woody You should know firsthand If you don't, where don't score here from. You'll
3: never score Peter Wynn score One of our first Major sponsors Thanks Pete
0: Woody you're looking forward To the inheritance Obviously you are going to plug this Yeah <laughs> Going to try and poison him So just stage. to bring you Into the picture here um, James is uh, Peter Wynn's Son-in-law whether, oh, he, whether, he
3: want, whether he likes it or not
0: Yeah <laughs> 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 I reckon there's been A bit of debate Around <laughs> that James yeah. Uh, so NRL's back. Valantis has been at the forefront through this virus of really pushing the envelope on getting sport back on our TVs. AFL's following, trying to follow quickly. The rugby union will be back first week of July. Mm-hmm. I would say any sport coming back in July even, is netball going to be back in July?
1: Netball will be back, uh, we're supposed to find out this weekend, but they're talking about the first week of August.
0: Right. So I would say there's a fair chance that they'll come back to crowds. Yes. Volandes is paving the way.
1: Yes, and I think, well, I know with netball, the clubs make so much of their money selling tickets, so they're trying to hold off as long as they can. Obviously, they've got to keep Channel 9, the broadcaster, sort of okay with this, and the problem is you can't run too late because you run into the into the tennis, but netball are trying to hold out to get crowds. But I, do you know what? I admire Peter Velandis because he came out and he said, right, rugby League's going to start on this right, date," but. <laughs> <laughs> but he's kept it, you know? Like, I get, I'm frustrated with netball at the moment because they haven't shown any leadership in terms of saying this is exactly what. What we're going to do and when we're going to do it. I want like you want your leader to actually make a bold statement and then work hard to make everyone fall in behind it.
0: Well, everyone told him he was like off with the pixies mm. for May twenty eighth, and they're now saying exactly the same for July one, actually to bring crowds back.
1: Yeah, it's a phenomenal, isn't it?
0: I think I'd back him that there's going to be crowds.
1: Yeah. Would you turn up to the be in the crowd? Hundred percent. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You I wouldn't, lose would, Yeah. I oh, I think about it. I, are I, you still
2: worried? Like in terms of the what? what what's oh, your? I'm worried what are because,
1: your, because oh, this is <laughs> this is something you didn't you know factor in i had pneumonia over christmas yeah right. and um and i'm asthmatic so i'm a little bit more Susceptible. cautious on it yeah, yeah i'm a bit yeah. more cautious i yeah. guess so but if i was robust then like physically then perhaps you know if i didn't have lung issues i, th- I think if if you're in the middle of a pandemic that affects your lungs and you've got a chronic yeah, lung yeah, condition <laughs> as well. you probably pretty, don't want to go a to the rugby so way. maybe yeah. sit up there on the 120
0: <laughs> acres and just turn the tv on yeah. oh,
1: mate, <laughs> i've shut the gate Got the shotgun yeah, right. out. Yeah, no, so I won't be watching on television. Yeah, it's interesting, no. isn't it? But they're the sort of um, conversations people are going to have to have. Are you going to go? Yeah. yeah. Do you feel safe?
0: Well, they're talking about stadiums with um, one seat in the middle of every two.
1: And then a sex doll. And then, a... <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then Woody. <laughs> so while we're talking about the NRL, obviously um, the most topical thing that's come out in the last 24 hours is the Bronson Cherry situation. So drugs in sport.
2: Yeah, it's a sad thing. We've, if sample A gets done and it's every five-ostradone thing that you could think about, mate, your sample B is a, what do you reckon, 1% chance, Liz, what, that it's not going to turn up?
1: I don't know about the, what the percentages are like, yeah. but it's not looking good. Look, the allegation is that it's, <laughs> there's a, there's any, it's, a, it's a cocktail yeah. in, that, in that A sample and then he's got the right to request that His B sample is analysed and, or he's got the right to waive that and go straight to some sort of hearing. So... I mean, whatever happens is... It doesn't look good, does it's it? doesn't look good. And especially coming from that Cronulla club, and they've had a lot of issues with this sort of stuff in the past, it was resolved, but it's still hanging around. And it makes you just think to yourself, man, they've got got—they've just got some issues there that... I d- could not put my finger on what the issues are. Is it cultural? I don't know. Is it just a coincidence? And let's oh, just put it out there too know.
2: that it may not... It may just be a one player that's wolf. gone out on his own Absolutely. and done this, but... Jeez, with this, yeah.
1: But if that's the case, then you have to ask why has the culture not caught him and, and put him on the right yeah. track? If, yeah. I mean, it's highly likely that he's just a lone wolf and he's gone out and done it if he's done it, and um, it has nothing to do with the club. In terms of the provision or whatever, but then the questions have to be: Is wh- why didn't see, senior players know? Why, yeah. why don't why don't yeah. senior people at the club know? Or, or have did you ever say it in netball? Happening? No, we, yeah. no, it's not a. It wasn't a thing for us, I guess. I mean, we for our sport when I played, it was amateur. Yeah. Um. So there wasn't that impetus there to to Get harm. The leg the, well, and to harm yourself, like yeah. injecting that sort of stuff into yourself, I couldn't imagine doing it.
0: Well, let's move from a ne- negative to a positive. Yeah, let's so do let's do move that. on to Liz Ellis's group. Liz, welcome.
1: Great to be here. This is an impressive shed. Thanks, Liz.
2: Yeah, no, a lot of work. We didn't want to take Dan Tester, local bloke, and because uh, I couldn't build anything, I'm dead set useless. So, mm, anything I that. did was kick a football. Yeah, yeah. you've heard that. Heard that. Yeah, it's pretty well-renowned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I tried to say, no, he's useful, but I couldn't get any takers. (laughs) So, Liz,
0: if we wind it back, I think – so this is going back a lot of years. So born and bred in Windsor, started playing uh, netball uh, in the local area and then representing Hawkesbury. Um, Mum's first recollection on whether or not you should play netball when Sheila rang?
1: Yeah, when Sheila rang. So – uh, I have always been a bookworm, loved my books, a bit academic. So Sheila, uh, a local woman who ran the Green Hills Netball Club, rang Mum one day and said, um, Margaret, I'm putting together an under-9s team, I think it was. Does Liz want to play? And Mum said, no, no, no. She's not very coordinated. <laughs> antisocial? A <laughs> bit antisocial. Likes a book. I don't think team, team sports are for her. So she'll, I love this story because I love Sheila, right? So um, she's passed away now, but I love I love it because... She was someone who wouldn't take no for an answer. She was just a a woman who ran a netball club but, like all netball women, terrifying and you don't say no to her, right? So anyone who's ever had anything to do with netball and has... um, heard the parachute track pants coming towards them. You don't say no to those (laughs) women. And she was definitely one of them. So she rang my mum back about a week later and she'd obviously worked all the angles. And she goes, "Um, now, listen, Margaret, you won't believe, I've actually just seen it on television, did you know that 95% of kids who end up as juvenile delinquents have actually never played team sport? And no shit, in that week I had (laughs) set... I had nearly set our house on fire, right? So I. <laughs> burnt, nearly
0: burnt the bedroom down. I nearly
1: burnt the bedroom down. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I had got this, this candle and taken all the wax out of it. It was a ceramic candle and I had filled in that place with um, matches and I lit the wick and then all the matches <laughs> just went off. So my parents saw this flicker in the room and. Oh, anyway, my sister and I were in there and we got in so much trouble, we caught the flogging from our dad and she's never forgiven me because it wasn't her fault, right? I just said, come and watch this," And we both <laughs> got in trouble. So, yeah, so it just happened to think, that like, in that one week, Sheila's timing was perfect, the story was perfect, because Mum and Dad thought I was going to become a pyromaniac. So she's, <laughs> Mum was like, oh, yes, Sheila, good call. Yeah, okay, in that case, Liz can start netball. Look, and she, look, she just might need to finish whenever she feels like it. So it took me 27 years to feel like finishing. But it's a sliding doors moment, isn't it? If it wasn't yeah. for Sheila, like, <laughs> I'm just a bookworm kid for the rest of my life. Well, we, we don't clients. usually do
0: much research on our podcast, <laughs> um, people that come in. Um, but we were told yesterday. Yeah, or, we had Monday, up our game. Yeah, we had to up our game oh. when we had a chat to Catherine Cox.
1: Oh, I thought you'd talk to my mum. No, <laughs> 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 well, we, we should. Yeah. Have we have to go, we're actually. Know, we, I've only, I've lived on the Northern Rivers now for a, nearly ten years. But when we decided to move up here, Mum moved up here. So she sold her place in Windsor because my dad had passed away. So she decided if her both her daughters are going to be living here, she'd move up here. She now has more friends. Than any of us, she's out <laughs> every night. She's, just, you know, she's in probus and all the clubs that the old people have around here, and she's she's killing it. So How anyway, she so. would have told you it up be game. Yeah, no, sure. well, yeah, well, we didn't. We, we,
0: didn't, we, we weren't going to go too much further after uh, forty minutes with Catherine Cox. She sort of worded us <laughs> up pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, if you go back to your say the influence of your mum in those early days when you played rep uh, netball in Hawkesbury. Um, there was a defining moment there when you didn't get picked in the under-30s. No,
1: I didn't get picked yeah. and It was, yeah, it was actually the under-11s. And, you know, my mum, she's really, she's lovely, right? She's, she works at St Vincent de Paul in Ballina. She, you know, she volunteer drives uh, for community transport. She's lovely. Silver-haired, old lady, really nice. You'd love her. Yeah. Yeah, you would. And... Uh, <laughs> She'd tell you to sit up straight, but you'd love her. Yeah. And
0: talk into the microphone.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm just laughing. I haven't even said anything yet. No, I know, <laughs> but... I'm
1: trying, to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to bring into the conversation. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, anywho, I w- went to try for reps, and I got into the under-11s, and then I went to try for the under-12s, and... Um, I thought I'd just turn up and and be good and it would be awesome and I'd get in the team because I was awesome when I was (laughs) 11 or whatever I was. And I turned up and I just went through the motions and they – uh, at the end of it, a woman came out in the parachute, tracksuit pants, shh, 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 <laughs> stood in front of us, read the team out. There was no Elizabeth Ellis. I was Elizabeth in those days. And I started to pull my eyes out. I was like, oh, I miss out the team. And uh, I ran up to mum and was crying and oh, I didn't get in the team. I said, Yeah, I know, you're right. Now, your friend Cheryl got in because netball people always have great names. Good name, nice. like yeah, <laughs> Sheila, my friend, my mate Irene. Cheryl got in. Yeah, Irene. <laughs> like, yeah, well, all my old coaches, right, oh, was Norma. Joyce. Yeah, well, do you <laughs> know what? But when, yes, m- yes. when we moved to the country, <laughs> we've got a farm. I, um, I'm digressing from your question, but i got chickens, right? And oh, you named after your coaches. Named yeah, them after my example coaches. To <laughs> coaches <happen. laughs> but there's a sad story, right? So there was Sheila, Helen was my first rep coach. So Sheila, Helen, Joyce, Julie, uh, Norma <laughs> and Jill, right? And I, I watched them quite closely for a while to sort of fig- to put their um, personalities with their names. So, you know, like Norma. She was like the one that was the <laughs> bossiest. <laughs> Norma, and, and it's a
3: crazy name. It's a great Norma. name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. and
1: like Joyce was the one who, so Norma was the bossiest and was the head of the pecking order, but Joyce was the one who still got all the shit done. And um, sadly for Sheila, Sheila actually turned out to be a rooster. So <laughs> that's
3: <didn't laughs> She's ahead of her time. Yeah, she was.
1: <laughs> she, was, she was. She was. She was. Yes, there's so many lines there, <laughs> and I haven't touched any of those. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Sheila didn't quite make it. Um, shit, we she ate her, um, <laughs> and, but eventually. All the others pecked Norma to death, and I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm still so scared of Norma Plummer that I'm too scared to tell her that all the other chickens pecked her to death. Anywho, So how many of you got left? Oh, we're into our third generation oh, now. Okay. The moment they stop laying, they're out.
0: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Go on. Yeah, so. Sorry, so anyway, but what was the question? The
1: question was oh, about was reps. The reps, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I didn't get in. So um, I was crying to my mum. I had to congratulate Cheryl, and my Mum was like, "Stop crying. You know, it's net born now." To be Boys in five years' time, like you just got to <laughs> learn to get over disappointments. <laughs> so um we got in the car and on the way home we we're just talking. And she basically talked me through this idea that I actually um if, if you want to get selected, you got to do it yourself, right? So yeah. and I say this to kids now: if you if you're gonna be selected in something, you can't turn up and expect the selectors to pick you. You can't expect the judges to give you great points S- on, a, on a wave. Yeah, yeah. scores that's yeah. points, scores, whatever, on a wave, right? Yeah. You can't. Go to an exam and have expect for the examiners yeah. to give you a good mark. You actually have to get it yourself, and you know it, it was a bit, it was an f- interesting conversation to have with your mum when you're eleven, but. It sort of always stuck in my head, and eventually I came up. Well, I heard this this other saying, which is, If it is to be, it's up to me. And it was yep. really oh, that's that a conversation. It's good. Up. I'd like to pretend that I made it up, but mm-hmm. I didn't. That's a good one, mm-hmm. though. So, um, yeah, it sort of stuck with me all the way through because I was a little snot nosed kid growing up in the western suburbs of Sydney. My dad just um, worked in a timber mill, mum worked at the local council, not well off, no advantages like that. Always played, as you say, for Hawkesbury, and we were a bit of a you know, like we weren't Manly or Sutherland or the big associations. So if I had – if I wanted to achieve what I wanted to achieve, I had to go and get it myself. And it was a good lesson to learn in the under-12s.
0: So the next 27 yeah. years turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah,
1: pretty, hung in there. Pretty, Except pretty, for the chooks. Yeah, pretty boring actually. I worked hard and achieved. So three achieved. World Cups, yeah.
0: three Com Games, uh, MVP four times, uh, yeah. won four titles with the Swifts, Captain Your Country – Hundred and twenty-two games.
1: Oh, look at you! You've done. <laughs> you didn't even look at a note there. Yeah. Then. yeah. No, I no, I've well. He's we, a stats we, we, man. No, yeah. I, oh, okay. we, we
0: listen numbers. to Catherine Cox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. Her words, boys, do your research. Oh, that's otherwise, funny. you'll get eaten up.
2: Yeah, but I just think through that was that, at that moment was that a key moment? Like I know, I, I listen, obviously, doing our research. Another moment you said was a letter you got from your dad when you're at the AIS, where you thought you were gonna either go and finish. You obviously you become a solicitor. We're sitting here with a lawyer. But you, yeah. so you're at the AIS and you're thinking, I don't know if this is for me. I want to go and study, and you get that letter. What was that a defining moment in keeping you on the path? Yeah,
1: its isn't. Isn't it interesting when you look back at your career, you'd be the same, Beric. Yeah. There's points. There's I think careers are so often defined by conversations with other people. So yeah. I think back to that conversation with my mum. I had a really key conversation. I'll get to that letter in a second, but I had a key conversation with a coach of mine when I was at the AIS, um, mm. and. We had a conversation one day. We went to watch that 91 World Cup where netball really got onto the world stage. You know, the Prime Minister was there. Bob Hawke was there. And Hazel. And Hazel, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Not Blanche. That was in the olden days. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and, another uh, good name. Yes. Yeah, he, yes oh, that's another she, chook. She, <laughs> Hazel. She <laughs> was a coach. Yeah. yeah, she could have coached. Maybe I should name my next lot of chooks after Prime Minister's wives. <laughs> Prime Minister's wives. Yeah. Or their mistresses. Oh, <laughs> controversial. <laughs>
3: If they have one. I don't know if ScoMo's going to be going that well for one, but you never know.
1: Well... The mind boggles. <laughs> Listen, dear, you, you've already said a word, and now you've got to sort. I know your I've got to come in
3: somewhere. I thought I'd just kick off with something crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: something crazy and controversial. Prime Minister's mistresses yeah. for ten thanks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and uh, so we had this conversation. It was around about that. It was around that World Cup time, and uh, we were talking about you know Rosalie Jenky who was the goalkeeper, what she'd done in the game, and I just made some offhanded comment like. Oh, I just don't think I could ever be as good as those as those girls. And she, was, she just looked at me and she goes, well, someone's got to play goalkeeper for Australia. Might as well be you. And you just, like, you know the moments where something just clicks in your yeah. brain and you go, someone does have to play goalkeeper <laughs> when she gets busted or retires. Why couldn't it be me? And the moment someone gives that faith in you, then it sort of sets you off again and you go along your path. But I did have this moment when I was in Canberra and I was finding it really difficult... Um, study and i was studying my i was do, doing my first year of my law degree full time and then dealing like when you go to the ais it's such a ste- massive step up like i just run a couple of blocks in windsor for training three nights a week and <laughs> through the throwing the ball around and then suddenly you're at this world-class facility where you're, you're being weighed and watched and coached and you know all the training that goes into it and I was just really tired and I just had thought I might just give it up and come home. And um, my dad had has this funny sense of humour and he often... He, he, he used to tell you what he wanted you to hear just by telling you a story. So he wrote me this letter, which was not a letter about, you know, you need to keep trying really hard. It was a letter about him... Um, uh, he made up this day where he just had calamity after calamity so basically you know um, he he went to mow the lawn and set fire to the to the mower, and then it got off <laughs> and then the dog bit him and then a Jehovah's witness came to the door <laughs> to the and, and, and you know, the police came and arrested him, and none of it was true. But it was just like you think of the worst day, and yeah. he was like at the end of it, he was like, "You better stay where you are." Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It so, is amazing. Yeah. And I, my, my dad died um, about ten years ago, and I miss him every day, especially with my kids. And my dad was a, a, a stock car driver. He was a. You kidding? No. So he was. Like you all know a the speedway. The local yeah, yeah. Stuff. So he, yeah. Was a, he was a legend. He was a, He was won the Australian Championship a few times and n- never had the resources to go and race anywhere else. But uh, f- it's funny, my little boy, my dad's name was Ralph. What a name, hey? And his yeah. N- r- Ralph Ellis and his nickname was Recker because he used to have this um, – had a roll bar apparently on his car and he used to get under other people's cars and smash them and we, <laughs> we used to go to like stock car reunions and, he, and the blokes would go oh Liz you play netball like your father raced cars <laughs> I would take that as a compliment yeah. um, and my little boy Austin Ralph is Ralph's his middle name he is massively into cars and racing and he, he looks through my dad's Scrapbook and it's really cute. But, yeah, that was how my dad dealt with things. He had a really tough upbringing. Like, that's a whole nother... You could write yeah. a, You could have a movie about the abuse he suffered as a kid. Lived in poverty but dragged himself up. And he was never one to say, you know, I love you or you're doing really well, I'm proud of you. He, but he used to do it in really using humour and stories and art and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that was an amazing letter to get. Not I've still Ralphie. got it framed at home. Yeah, cheers yeah. to Ralphie. Yeah, cheers, yeah, yeah, Ralphie. Ralphie. You know what we're he used to say, now that we're all having a beer... Yeah, yeah. He he'd have a, have his first sip of beer and he'd go, "Oh, I don't know how they make it so cheap." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it like, I, every time I have a beer now, I
1: I say the same thing.
3: That's so good.
1: Yeah, like you know, you need all sorts of role models in your life, and
3: one you? that one that can break it down into like into humor like that, yeah. where it makes you laugh about the situation you're in, and you don't. Yeah. Take it so serious?
1: Exactly, like, yeah. Because you are probably
3: thinking it was, the world was going to end, like, i got to quit, yeah. go home.
1: Yeah, my life is shit. Yeah. You know, I'm at university and think I'm not you know, doing what I wanted yeah. to do and, and I'm at a world-class sporting facility. And it, the letter was just a bit of an uppercut too, you know, like, put yeah. it in. Yeah. <laughs> you're going all yeah, right.
0: Yeah, you're killing it. So when was the tweak that maybe I've got a future in, in netball?
1: Before I got to the AIS, I hadn't really thought about it. You know, like, I played rep netball, but it wasn't, it wasn't on television. You couldn't watch it. Yeah. Not, not with the excellent commentators that there are now obviously <laughs> yeah yeah so it wasn't a thing that I, I thought was available I just never it, it just wasn't on the horizon right because it wasn't it wasn't in the press and it wasn't you know there wasn't a national league and then I went to the AS, and we went to this world cup and suddenly I went oh my god I'd love to do this it'd be great and so I had that I remember having that conversation with with the coach from the institute and that's when I thought right if I'm if I'm going to do this I'm going to do it properly and I, um, You know, I'd got down to the AIS and I'd had, you know, my first eight months, I was like, this is party central. Left school, <laughs> no parents, living in a dorm full of... 18-year-old women. There's <laughs> Giddy up. I'll tell you a story. This this, is, is this a, this is What rating is this? Is this PG? Oh,
0: I'd swear. Say we're probably X. in the M. We're
1: well, in the
3: MA. Well, I saw yeah. a fair bit the other episode. Nah. So. Yeah.
0: 149 oh. Fs the other night. Yeah. It's fast <laughs> down. I, okay, well, I can tell you this <laughs> yeah, story. You know, yeah, when I first got
1: to the AIS... Our coach pulled us aside and she she was like, okay, ladies, there's something you need to know. And we thought she was going to tell us, you know, how to play netball for Australia. She goes, ladies, welcome to the Australian Institute of Sport. It's a smorgasbord of men down here. Don't make pigs of yourselves. <laughs> 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 so there was, a, there was a few distractions, right? Yeah. Um, and so I spent the first few months being distracted and, you know, you go out and that sort of stuff. And then I had this, like, I twigged, right? So you ask he asked me... You know, you had this moment where you twig with the World Cup on the way home from the World Cup, and I thought, I can either keep partying and uh, that's it. I'll party and I'll get out of this program and I'll go nowhere, or I can pull my head in and make a few decisions. And, you know, I always say this to to kids, and, and, like, especially young, talented athletes... It's a lot of it's a, the decisions that you make, you know. So people call it sacrifices. Everyone wants to bang on about, oh, the sacrifices, yeah. I miss this. No, 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 they're the choices that you make. So I started to make some choices around not going out and getting on the piss and staying home and eating the right food and getting fit and all that sort of stuff. And then within 18 months, I was, I was in the Australian team. But it didn't just happen. It didn't just, oh, I just decided I wanted so to. So
0: injury, you get the opportunity
1: yeah, injury came, you know, Rose Jenke, who we talked about in that World yeah. Cup final, did it back. The opportunity's there. But you're
2: prepared before that. Exactly and right. And that's the key. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. So
1: people go, oh, you're so lucky you made the team. No, I went, I did the hard yards for 18 months before that, um, you know, when I decided I wanted to be ready when the opportunity came. And so when the opportunity comes, then you're the one that's most ready for it.
0: So when you were selected, did you think, okay, I'm, I'm ready?
1: No, when I was selected, I was scared. Yeah. Because right. I was in a team full of women who I'd idolised, yeah. who I'd watched that World Cup. And Were I you the thought, youngest in the team? Yeah, when by you're about th- four years. Yeah, wow. Yeah. By four years. How old are we talking then? Where? I was 20. Wow. So I'm in this team full of women who I idolise and – like it was How weird. were they two? Were they, were um, they pretty cool? Yeah, s- or? Look, there were some that were pretty cool and some that weren't... They weren't not cool, but they just... You were just it, a kid. I was just a kid. Yeah. Yeah, right? So, And I actually appreciate it now because I've got the sort of personality. If they treated me really nicely and were super welcoming, I would have been a pain in the ass yeah. because, you know, I was, I'm really overexcited <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. Whereas I actually... It was good for me to get slapped around a bit early. Who, who was a good
2: influence on you, do you think?
1: Uh, Keely Devery was... Okay. And she was someone who I idolised. She played my position great player she's now my boss she's now head of, head of netball for channel nine so you, you know she's really and I loved her and I still love her and I still go to production meetings and go <laughs> <laughs> I love Keeley <laughs> you know we go to the bar and I'm like do you want a gin do you want a gin I can get you a gin I can buy you a drink because like I'm still so excited that I'm you know like you would have this right you know the people who you idolize yeah. and then you sort of do the same thing as they you know you play for the wallabies or you play for you know the diamonds but the people who you idolize are still always yeah, they're like, always up, up there, aren't oh, they?
3: Oh yeah, you say I, I see Mick or I see Parker or anyone like that, and I've known them since I was a kid. He's still the same. Yeah, you still get. Do the you like this? I just go, you want a beer, and they go, no.
1: <laughs> 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 see <you> later.
3: <laughs> I just annoy them until they tell me to. Yeah,
1: but it's odd that you ask that in the supermarket. Like yeah, that's, that's yeah, much. you can't
3: ask that.
0: Yeah. At the beach there's usually no bar yes. mm. so you, you you roll into the early 2000s knee injury lots of talk of retirement give it up i mean why didn't you
1: oh because that's just not how i roll so i started playing for the diamonds in 1993 and uh we hit 2005 and in that like 2003 we lost the world cup um, the coach re- retired, the captain retired. So I ca- became captain in 2004 and I was like, yay, this is great, I'm at the top of the hill. But I wasn't because we then proceeded to get flogged by the Kiwis for the next couple of years. But we're heading towards the 2006 Commonwealth Games and I did my knee in, two- in 2005. So we're playing against New Zealand in Auckland and I was playing against Irene Van Dyke. Awesome, awesome. Let's just, just go through,
2: her, do we go through her stats at all right now? Because that sure. is frigging ridiculous.
1: Sure, I'll put my feet up. Because, she, like, she, she played till she was 40, right? So... She
2: played 217 international games. That's international. Yep. And you played 122, and you're Australia's greatest capped player mm. of all time. And she played 100 more, almost? Yeah, so
1: she played, I think, 80-something caps for South Africa. Yep. Then 72
2: moved. and then 145 for go. New Zealand. Yep. It's so ridiculous.
1: Yeah, so she played... It's
2: a phenomenal career, 40 years. Oh, ago. she, oh, she played know. for she South Africa, Africa, Africa as well. But yeah, yeah, she's South oh, African. Right. Yeah, so ha-
1: she... um. So she combines, the, the, she combines two accents that you probably don't need to have combined. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like did, she, did she marry yes. New Zealand? No, no. no. So she, um, she grew up in South Africa, played for South Africa, and then after the World Cup that was in New Zealand in 1999, she got approached to play for a New Zealand club team, and she ah. took that up, and her and her husband and her daughter moved over, and she, she didn't want to live in South Africa anymore. It was a bit of a dangerous time to live there. Um, she yeah. didn't want her daughter to grow up. Yeah. Um, with some of the dangers yeah, that were you can't around, blame her. yeah, and so yeah. absolutely can't yeah. blame. Her. I hated that she went to play for the for the Silver Ferns because it just made my job that much harder. But in terms of the lifestyle, I totally get it. So then she she moved there and she played. So I retired... We're well, the same age. I retired in 2007. She didn't retire until like... 2000. 2014. Yeah. So but, she... But, and, and the other thing
2: is too, she was a goal shooter. You're a defender. So mm-hmm. you two would have had matchups. And she's what? Six foot four.
1: Yep. So she's six foot four, built really strong. I yep. look like this little kid next to me to get on and be like yeah. a little mosquito. She, but she was amazing, right? She, she retired in 2014. She was 41 when she retired and still beating players half her age. She was amazing. So awesome athlete. And we... She, and she was in the South African team when they emerged from the apartheid era, so they didn't really come out oh, right. until yeah. 1994, 95. Yeah, that's right, because what, apartheid
2: like 92, 93 was yep. when it all lifted, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it took netball just a little bit longer to get uh, enough funding to come and tour. And so I first played against her in the, at the start of 95, and then the first time we ever played against each other in a World Cup was the final in 1995. So she was good enough that she really carried the South African team into the final, so we played against each other in the two thousand and five. So, sorry, the nineteen ninety five World Cup, which was my first World Cup, and then my last game was two thousand and seven, and I played against her in my last game in that World Cup. So, you know, over twelve years, we just had this mammoth, amazing yeah, rivalry. Amazing yeah, amazing rivalry.
3: Is South Africa strong now? Are they, have yeah. they as they've sort of come further and further away from that stuff.
0: They're, yeah, they're, they're a good team.
1: They are, and. Um, it's interesting because South Africa lost a few players to New Zealand so Irene came across and then another woman uh, Leanna Debrain went and, yeah, and moved moved over and played as well so that sort of took the guts out of their team and they struggled for a few years then it, more recently they um, they employed Norma Plummer so my old coach she went over and coached them and she's put One of some the chalks Yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She got pecked to death mate. No don't tell her Don't tell her She still scares me Anyway, She'll sh- listen to the podcast Yeah totally <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But she is a She's an awesome coach, really great tactically, and she gave them a heap of structure. But the problem with South Africa is, they've, you know, um, it's a it's a problem that uh, any country that's not a developed country has with their female athletes is that there's so many other things pulling them in all directions. You know, there's there's uh, athletes who you just get to the right point, and then there's a family expectation that they yeah. marry early and have kids. Yeah. And you know, we've got women playing in SunCorp Super Netball now. There's um, a woman called Peace Praskovia who, if you ever can read her story, she's phenomenal. She um, She's f- uh, from Uganda and she tells this story that she was um, sort of spotted playing school netball and asked to go um, to uh, the capital and and trial for a university team and her father didn't want her to. She was one of a heap of kids. He was like, no, no, it's a woman's place to be married, to stay in the village, to have kids to work in the farm or to work on the land and that sort of stuff. So there's all these stories of these women in these developing countries or third world countries who, they they get to the point where they're playing in Suncorp Super Netball Maui Kamwenda from Malawi, she plays for the Vixens is, the yeah. is another one and you know they go back to their families and they're, they're on dirt floors. So, you know, th- men in those situations struggle but women actually struggle even more because there is the whole burden of child rearing and that sort of stuff so South Africa really had that issue for a number of years but a bit more money into the country the women are able to stay in the system for longer and they're very good Australia only beat them by a couple of goals in the quad series last year so and they and they beat um, they've had a win against England England beating Australia you know they beat Australia in in the Commonwealth Games in 2018. So South Africa are coming. I expect over the next 15, 20 years we'll really see the African nations do really well in netball because they've got these great athletes and they're starting to get their systems in place. But they've got all this other overlay of just stuff that they've got to fight against that we don't have to fight against here.
0: So Liz, uh, you, you do your knee. I think I read a story some time ago. You were going down the escalator or up the escalator and the person that was replacing you in that Commonwealth Games team was going the other way.
1: Yeah, so when I did my knee, we were actually on—we're we in New Zealand and we are on, um, on our way to uh, the Caribbean for a tour and uh, I, my best mate Coxie, her and I had uh, this whole holiday in America planned. We are going to go and watch the Bulls play. She'd sorted out all these tickets, but caught it was like unbelievable, right? So I was watching The Last Dance hating on my life because I did my knee and couldn't go. So I did my knee and I got sent home from the tour and I was in Auckland Airport and I was going up the escalator with the scan, my scans under my arms, and as I looked up there was Beck Bully, who, she hadn't debuted for Australia yet, but she went on to play a number of years for Australia, awesome player, awesome woman. But as she came down she was she was like replacing me. It was like this moment on an escalator where I was going up and she was going down and she goes, oh, hi, Liz, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, that's okay, Beck. have a really good tour. And after she went past <laughs> me, I went. <laughs> right. So I gave her the, for those listening. So for our, her, our listeners,
0: yeah. It's a big F, yeah. Yeah.
1: I yeah. gave her the bird behind her back because <laughs> I was like, oh, don't you just stay out of my bloody team. Anyway, she did really well and she's one of my friends. So now.
0: So then you roll into 06, 07. Yeah,
1: Best and year so of your career. Absolutely, but... You know, you asked me before, and I didn't quite get to the answer to this question about um, during, when I did my knee, I got phone calls from people, well-meaning people within Netball saying, you know, you could retire now and it would be okay, you've achieved everything, you don't need to go on. And there was a little bit of, um, there was a bit of a suggestion that I wouldn't come back. I was 32, I was going to turn 33 during rehab a lot of people thought I wouldn't be able to come back and that's all I need to fire me up. You know, so it doesn't matter where you get your motivation from. And
2: you just didn't just do your knee, you blew it out, did you? I blew it
1: out, I smashed it, like, you know, um, I smashed the... In a game? Yeah, so, yep. you know, I, play, oh, I started turning this on story. On the escalator. I, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I dislocated Sorry, my middle finger on the, on the escalator. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was playing against um, Irene Van Dyke. This is how we got on to talking <laughs> yeah. about Irene Van Dyke, yeah. right? Irene. So she uh, ran out to the left-hand side of the court, I ran out, I missed it. But the way I had to, used to have to play against her, I used to just have to be a pest for an hour and after fifty-five minutes I'd start to get intercepts, right? You really gotta just wear her down. So I knew I just I wouldn't get the ball, but I'd run into her and start to t- that tiring out process. And I just landed on a little piece of advertising hoarding that I don't think was stuck down properly because it was the dirty Kiwis and um, <laughs> 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 slash
3: <laughs> South Africans. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, they're all against
1: me, and um, I just felt my whole knee go. And so in that moment, I you know you just know you have that sort yeah. of been doing you know right. And I knew, and we were four months out from the Commonwealth Games in mm-hmm. Melbourne, and I knew that, that that was gone. And it was a horrible thing to have to come to terms with. But then. You sort of have to decide if you're going to go through the rehab or not. And as soon as i sort of got the impression that people didn't think I could, that was all the motivation I needed. You know, there's psychologists talk about that you shouldn't look for negative motivation. I bloody love negative motivation. Yeah. So I you did not MJ? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I went looking. Yeah. And, but I used to do that. I used to look online and see if anyone had, like, dissed me from the table I am <laughs> about to play. And then I'd use that as my motivation, like in, like in the Adelaide Press or whatever. Um, and so that was all I needed to make. I was like, right, I'm going to do this. And so because I'd, I had all the time in the world, because I put aside a heap of time to prepare for the Com Games, I just got absolutely stuck into my rehab. And I was back on court within six months, which wow. um, is unusual. But I knew I didn't have time to waste. I knew that I – like now they say nine to 12 months, but I was like – I just and I didn't – my goal was to not miss a club game for the Swifts, and I didn't. And then that was 2006, and I won the league MVP that year. Then at the end of that I thought, right, the uh, start of two thousand and seven. I just, I knew that I'd got back. I was just played absolute best season, and I thought, I'm thirty four. I reckon end of the year is enough. I've had enough, and I made that decision and didn't tell anybody. Um, and I'm really glad I didn't. So I just went through the whole year. No one knew. And at the end of two thousand and seven was when I pulled the pin.
2: And you were champions. Yeah, so my in very New
1: last Zealand. Team. Do you feel in like New you Zealand. played better
3: because you had that off your shoulders? Like yeah. you knew you were going to finish at that stage.
1: Yep, decision was made. Yeah. I played better. I didn't. I did deliberately didn't put the pressure on my team. You know, like I think we, we had to. We had to go into New Zealand, play uh, probably the Silver Ferns in New Zealand in a World Cup final. The last thing I wanted to do was overlay that with. Yeah, it's my oh, time. Don't yeah, yeah, don't lose. And look, and so. Like, it's funny, because I didn't want it all to be about me. I, I, don't get me wrong, I love everything being about me. I love that you <laughs> three are sitting here asking me about me, right? But I also ne- I knew that for us to win that final, my retirement couldn't come into consideration. It would take so, their mind off yeah, all the other crew. exactly. So I spoke to, I told my family, so they knew, and I told my agent, so she knew, and I told Coxie. So Coxie, mm. and it took me...
2: So Catherine Cox, she's your best... best, was,
3: she best playing, was she playing goal in that shooter, shooter everything, yeah.
1: like, yeah. Yeah, 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 best buddy, yeah. So I took her out to lunch at the start of the season and bought her, we ordered champagne and i said uh oh, mate i'm not playing netball next year she goes you are too i said no mate i'm not and she's like no yeah i said no i'm not so this conversation went on <laughs> for 20 minutes right so then we have a few more uh drinks and i go to the toilet and so she rings my husband matthew and she goes this and he, so he's in meetings all day and, and so when he listened to the messages back this is the first message i can't believe you're letting liz retire right like he lets me do anything mm-hmm. Right? I make the choices about what I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? so that's the first message. At five o'clock, we're still at lunch. The next message from Catherine is, oh, you're letting her retire. She's retiring. <laughs> so then we we leave lunch and we go to another establishment and at 8 o'clock the last message from her is, <laughs> 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 it. So it was a 10-hour process to get her used to it.
2: Look, seriously, Coxie was a legend. She gave us, you know, 30 minutes of her time. She's one of your best mates. Now, I want to go through your nickname, Sif. <laughs> She's such a bastard Sif's a great Did nickname Did she tell it's you It's one of the greats Well, yeah sit, sit Sif on Ellis Sif Ellis Sif
1: Ellis Sif Ellis Sif Ellis
2: and, Sif <laughs> Ellis. <laughs> Sif <laughs> Ellis and yeah. Jump on ya
1: Yeah And her nickname jump Is Suckabah Suckabah <laughs>
2: She gave us three others, but hers is...
0: Yeah. I don't think yeah, you have no. to go too much further by you? No, no, no. no.
1: And so I call it her Her mum and dad are really quite well-to-do and really beautifully spoken and they're lovely folk and so I call them Mr and Mrs Suckerman. <laughs> to their face. And initially her mum was a bit like, oh, oh that's lovely, Liz. She, she puts up with me. So, um, You'd think parenthood would make us more mature, wouldn't you? But yeah. it hasn't. So
0: we'll get the train back on the tracks here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so talk us through, I mean, one thing that I found really, interesting when you go back and have a look at these great careers which obviously yours was is leadership and um into that world cup you had a really defined four or five goals that you really wanted to show in new zealand i mean obviously it coincided with your retirement but talk to us about your captaincy and your leadership
1: yeah so my leadership changed over the years initially when i took over as captain of the swifts of my club team that was the first senior leadership i'd had and Um, I was an asshole, you know, I was really, I pushed everyone, I was cranky. Coxie did say that. Yeah, she (laughs) (laughs) did. They used to call me Captain Cranky and Captain Sweary. So it's okay to be sweary, Yeah, (laughs) fine. 149 times. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not that sweary, but anyhow. Um, So, you know, and I used to micromanage people and, you know, I, I, I couldn't let anything go and... Initially, that was okay, and we had um, in my second year of leading the Swifts, we actually won our first ever the club's ever um, national league title. So it worked, right? And that sort of leadership can work, but it's exhausting and it's unsustainable. So I had to change my leadership because I would have finished my career and had no mates. Um, so you know, you, <laughs> want to have you some would friends. have had some fun at the reunion, MJ. yeah, exactly. yeah.
2: Well, you're talking about MJ, but I don't think I think you're being a bit harsh there. I think one thing Coxie said was off the court, despite you know when you were on it. You, you, the switch would go on. You know what I mean. She and used you know,
0: a few few interesting words. Yeah,
2: she <laughs> did. She did. But she said one thing about Liz is you know I, what I loved her about is off the court there was a different person.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think you, you know can do you, that
2: white line when you crossed it. What what did it
1: mean to you? You know when you. Well, I was like that at training, right? Yeah. And it, um, I used to I used to have an expectation that we would train like we played. So Catherine yeah. and I used to train against each other. Obviously, so she was a goal shooter and I was a goalkeeper and. We used to beat the shit out of each other. We used to finish some training sessions and couldn't talk to each other. We couldn't even look at each other. She said <laughs> she was in tears. Yeah, she yeah. <laughs> and she's still got scars on her hands. where I've taken chunks out of it with my nails and stuff. So we used to go really hard because the idea was if we beat the shit out of each other in training with no umpires, when you had umpires, it was going to be so much easier because they yeah. love like the defenders, right? But that doesn't make it easy. And it's, I look back now and I think it's really funny that we did that as we're well, best mates, but we used to just drive each other insane. And I had that expectation that when you turned up to training, you dropped your baggage. And initially in my first few years as captain, I, I was really, um, uh, what's the word, I, was, I really couldn't cope with anyone, you know, not putting in 100% at training. As yeah. I got older and I got better, I, would, I started to un- understand what made the girls tick and I knew that there were some girls who would get really weighed down by their jobs. Because this is in the amateur era, so did we all have, worked. Did yeah. you have any
0: Dennis Rodmans?
1: Oh, that was coxie. <laughs> <laughs> she's got more tats than any of us. Oh. Yeah, she said you were the influence on
2: those. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> Mad Mondays <laughs> and end of season trips. Yeah, I remember
1: once <laughs> goading her into getting her, t- her, her last name tattooed on her wrist. <laughs> butt. <Suckabu. laughs> so she's got a great big cox on her wrist. Yeah. And- <laughs> When she works, when we do, like we work, I laugh that like some people let us on television together. It makes me laugh every day. Um, and when she interviews people on Channel Nine like, <laughs> for the game, they make her put makeup on it. So.
4: <laughs> you don't see this big oh, <laughs> uh,
1: So she's funny, yeah. But and but so at training, I used to go really hard, and I used to have really high expectations. And I think as a leader, you can have high expectations because. And it was interesting to hear. Michael Jordan say this because I do like to sort of compare myself favorably to him. But I think a good leader you you never you you never ask your teammates to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. And one of the things that I hated about netball when I was a junior or when I was as I was coming through the ranks was that we never got paid, right? And we the, the the demands on us as athletes became greater and greater and greater, but no one ever thought about paying us any money. So we all had to work. You know, my last year of playing, I got paid. $8,000. Yep. 8000 $8, bucks for the
0: year now. I've got and now dollars. they're getting paid north of yeah. 100.
1: Yeah. yeah, I
3: know. So, what would be the top top player in the league? I would say someone
0: like a Laura Geitz, who's just
2: retired. What would she have been on in, say, well, well I, don't know, I don't even know if I want like to say The, do best, it money, the but
3: best goal shooter in the uh, Australian look, team. They'd be on 200 grand.
1: Well, I'd hope so, right? Yeah. So, I'd hope they're up in the 100, to 150, 200. Maybe, uh, actually, I'd, I'd assume that someone like Geitz, who's super marketable, gorgeous woman, she would be on more, right? But, yeah. But the thing is, when I when I started, we used to, like I I put on Insta recently a photo of, a, of one of my old contracts, and we used to get paid forty bucks a game plus eight rolls of strapping tape for the year, yeah. <laughs> two <laughs> pairs of ASIC kidding. shoes, right? So, so and that used to do that used to do my head in, and I used to get really cross that that people hadn't argued and gone into bat for us. So, um, just after I got made Australian captain, I got a phone call one day from. Um, a young bloke who was the head of the um, AWU and he wanted us to join the Australian Workers' Union. Now, this
2: young bloke... ..is Bill Shorten, Bill Shorten. right? Shorten. Yes,
1: and so he had, obviously, the, the financial backing of the AWU and Netball was a, a good fit for them and so he helped us establish the Players' Association. But in order to do that, I had to be the face of it and I had to um, ring up the, the CEO of Netball Australia and tell her that we were um, forming a Players' Association and these were our demands. And she read me the right act, threatened me with the captaincy. She told me she was You're going to You were nearly gone me. over
0: that way. Yeah, So yeah.
1: and so she, um, she, and I remember I rang him and I was really upset and he said, let her take you into a PR war because the public aren't going to side with a sports administrator over the captain of the Australian netball team. And I was like, okay. But it was a horrible situation to be in. But getting back to my leadership, I couldn't have accepted that if I had whinged all these years about wanting better conditions. The moment I had an opportunity, I actually had to put my position on the line to do that. And... I think a lot of the girls realised then that, um, that I was serious about being a leader for them. And initially my leadership was about me and what I could do and how good I was. But by the end of my career my leadership was about for the players getting a better deal for them. Leading the, And you know we talked about my retirement and how I didn't announce my retirement before that, yeah. that final. Because my, my leadership morphed into... Well,
0: talk us through those yeah. four... Yeah, so
1: going into that World Cup...
0: When you sat the team down. we sat
1: the team down. And we, we decided to not do it in a meeting. You've um, been in team meetings, right, yep. And it's like, it's the same people speak and the same people say the same shit, right? And it's always the senior guys and girls. And so I went to Norma, and Cheryl was the vice captain, and we went. One to of the chooks. We went to the <laughs> chook. We went to Norma the yeah. chook. Yep. Peck, and pecked, peck <laughs> we, we pecked at her, and said, "Listen, you're the head of the pecking order, but listen." And we basically went to her, and we said, "We want to come up with what we want our goal to be for the season, for this World Cup year, but we don't want the psychologist to run it, right? Because you always just get a psychologist, and we come up with the same stuff." She was cool with that. So we went and had a, all these conversations with the, like the younger players, the players who didn't speak up you know, you just sidle up to them at the end of training, and I wanted to come up with a sentence, right, about what the Australian netball team was, because we'd lost our way, we'd lost um, the Commonwealth Games gold medal final, we'd lost the World Cup final, you know, everyone loved New Zealand, and so I I felt that we were too used to becoming New Zealand's whipping girls, and we weren't focusing on what we wanted the Australian netball team to be, so it took us a few months, and lots of quiet conversations with people to make sure we got everyone's input and we came up with this sentence and like obviously now the australian net, netball team they've got like consultants so they've got a brand will we povo so we had a sentence that's all we put it for <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so we had this sentence we came up with this sentence the australian netball team is proud united and relentless and we put a heap of um behaviors under it and we mm. were really thorough about the behaviors that were expected and it was things like um for relentless it's um, the little one percentage, you know, and it also became about what you do when no one's watching because yeah. we all had to prepare at home or in different states. It wasn't a huge amount of money to bring us together. So we all had to prepare and we all, you know, we, all, we got really into this, whole. we're relentless. And we all, like, ten weeks out went, right, let's get off the piss. We're not going to drink in the last ten weeks to the World Cup. And, the, like, the players had decided. Then all the support staff were like, yep, we're not doing it. And our massage therapist, he was about, a, he was 26, and he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean So but it was like amazing. We all yeah. started to go we all started because we were, had all bought into it, it wasn't me as a captain telling everyone what we were gonna be. Everyone's bought into it, everyone was started looking for ways to be more excellent, to be better and better. Yeah. And so but that just drove us for and it was a really long season because um, the World Cup was supposed to be in July b- in Fiji, but there was a political coup like, and we didn't have that any must money, have been,
0: right. That must have been difficult when you're in different states. and
1: It is. But if you're all, like, yeah, if, if you get told what to think and what you want to be, then you, you don't like you don't buy into it, right? But it's bullshit, it's
2: bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it uh, so many damn teams, you come up with these slogans and everyone writes it on the board and then it's lip service. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, but i tell you what, if you get in a team where it means something and it could be one word, it could be five words... What you're talking about, Jesus, yeah. powerful. It's
1: so powerful. And it was powerful because, A, we put the behaviours under it, right? So that yeah. meant something. So just little things, right? So for proud, we decided that we would all wear the same clothes all the time, right? So you get given all this kit, but you don't – everyone used to wear just different shit to try And this, muff, is, this is where you
0: actually gave a bit more um – I suppose, you weren't micromanaging. Yeah, you exactly. Part, yeah. So I,
1: I, I said to... I might have been in I was like, I don't care. She was a fashion consultant. Yeah, I was like, yep. you're the fashion consultant. You're the yep. one who looks hot all the time. Every day. Tell us, yep. tell us what to wear, right? So she ha- put, used to put on our, on our day sheet, to training, wear this to lunch, wear this like part of your kit. So we looked like a team, right? And for United, we'd never put our arms around each other at the National Anthem yeah. as a team. We're like, right, we're doing that. It doesn't, doesn't cost anything. You don't need a consultant to tell you that. We did that. So all these things sort of um, like they all came together but the thing that was really important was the accountability part of it and that's about we empowered everybody in the team and I know empower is a bit of a wanky word but we said to everyone in the team if you see someone not doing one of these things you can pull them up, right? So the most junior person in the team could pull me up as the captain and she did at one point. She pulled me up because we used to have a roster for carrying the fucking balls into the stadium and I hated it. I'm like, How'd oh, that
0: God. go when you got pulled up?
1: Well, I had to take it, right? And I was like, you know what? Good on you. You've had the balls to stand up to me. I'll yep. pick up the ball bag and take it in. And I, was, I respected her because it, it was like...
3: She was following what she you was, guys... Yeah, so she and was...
1: And she had bought into it and you know, everyone... Like, it was such a magic... You know, some teams you, still, you achieve and it's good, but there's some teams that it's just a bit of magic and that yeah. was a team that was just magical because we were so prepared and we worked so hard and we didn't do it with huge resources. We did it with each other and that was the thing... That did it and so when I retired I was really comfortable with the thought of retiring even if we didn't win
3: because you'd put in good culture yeah, good structure good sort culture, of s- yeah. and
1: I knew that if even if we didn't win the culture was there it would go yeah, on yeah. after me and you know they, the girls went on to win the next couple of World Cups so was that the
0: career highlight for you
1: yeah absolutely yeah, it was. Funny, though, my husband was a rugby union player. He was a second-rounder.
2: Yeah, manly man. Manly, yeah. And did
1: he play for New South Wales two games? He did, he did. And he's funny, you know. Like, yeah. I take the piss out of him at home. Like he I'll should go, be here
2: tonight, but he is looking after the kids. So, he Matt, is. cheers, mate. Thank you. know <laughs> what I mean? He was we washing
1: get... up when I left. <laughs> <laughs> he is good at that. And
2: you two met at Armadale of all places. We but oh, yeah.
1: yeah, but anyway, so... Um, we'll
0: I'll go, do a podcast on Matt.
1: Yeah, we should. We will. We'll get he could down. actually dish the dirt on Coxie and I because... Coxie lived with Hang and I for a couple of years. So, three years, yeah, three years. Yeah, so he probably no, you can't, you can't speak the to one him. week,
2: uh, the one week stay turned into three years. Yeah, no,
1: she <laughs> rang, she rang me up. Oh, I just need to stay at your place for a couple of weeks, and she did. And three years later, she left. And I remember one night I said to Matthew, How, "What a good missus am I? You know, I, I let my smoking hot six foot two blonde." Because Coxie is smoking, mate, come and live with this. He's like, no, it's rubbish. It's like bringing home a big present that I can't open. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are getting mad on the podcast. Oh, oh you sure? And
1: when I retired, that's what I started to talk about. You know, he he his rugby union career was cut short due to injury. Smashed his back up, and um, he like he really did support me all the way through my career. There was never any pressure to you know retire and have kids or anything. It was like, okay, let's let's just ride this out and see where your career takes you. And at the very end, he knew I was – obviously, he knew I was retiring. And he was uh, at the game next to my sister. And mm. when we won, Great she quote. looked at him, yeah, and he was had a bit of a tear, a bit Aww. of a cry. And she's like, oh, you must be so proud. He goes, no, I'm just relieved. It was going to be a really long life together if she lost. So. <laughs> oh, poor bastard. Anywho, oh, look, don't feel sorry for him, right? He's a farmer, right? So – he has his beautiful life up in the hills. He's got 120 cows who look at him with their pretty eyes and he just I just—I fund his, his hobby. And you've got <laughs> a lot
2: of avocados I see in your Instagram. Oh, I've got one tree that provides a lot <laughs> what of What do they avocados? look like?
1: What do you mean? Testicles. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I haven't seen a lot of green <laughs> testicles in my time, yeah. but... Uh, well, you know the 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 Aztec word for avocado is t- is ahuac or something like that, which, but it means testicle. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> that's something I? you'd come up with. I know but. that's
3: a fun fact for, the, for <laughs> oh, the night. I
1: love my fun facts. So we can have a podcast about fun facts.
3: <laughs> I want I want to ask a serious question, but I've been thinking about this one for a while. Clearly, only fifty minutes.
4: Great <laughs> <laughs> well, contribution tonight, Josh.
3: Ch- I chuck my. Words in here and there, but when, you, when you're going against the New Zealand team that had beaten you those few years, mm-hmm. you know, 5-06, oh you've set all that stuff up, you know who you're going to play, like you know you're against Van Dyke or yep. whoever it may be, is there a way you guys practice, is there a way you guys mimic or... Yeah, that's a great know, question. You know what I mean, the way you prepare for... Yep. You're like, oh, fuck, she's good in centre or she's good on the wing, we've yep. got to run...
1: We used to set up, our coach used to set up batches against the Australian men's netball team and we used to do it because there was a guy who um, was six foot four, just like, yeah. actually six foot six, right? So he was big and he was strong and he was he was skillful, and so we used to play, we, or she used to get him in to play to stand against me and the other goalkeeper because there wasn't another woman around who was built like Irene. But, you know, Irene was an amazing athlete. I used to just, she made me the player that I became because I used to have to work so hard to just to match it with her, and it's with with someone like that,
3: can you tell when they get you know their first few shots whether they're going to be they're going to play well that night or is it some you players you're can. saying you got to wear them down to the last yep. sort of five minutes or so you can yep. sort of get some intercepts, is it
1: and some plays you can some yep. players you know and some plays I knew that I had them beaten before I went on court yeah you could see yeah you knew yep. but with her she's a different she was a different kettle of fish and what made her great was that she would have, she would change her game up every time I played against ah. her, right, so I had to spend the first half going, okay, what, analysing, it, what, out, and then yeah. the second half trying try to, to, to combat that, right, but the whole point with playing against her was just to wear her down, and then everyone around me had to wear her down, so our wing defence and our goal defence had to do the same thing, they had to wear down their players so that they, their, their passes. Yeah, they won't get, yeah, they won't come, get, in good, yeah, they won't come in good. Yep, so it's. You know, b- playing against her, and especially in a World Cup final, it really is a game of inches, and you just have to persist and persist. And the good thing is that I used to have a good last 10 or 15 minutes, so people thought that I played well the whole game, even though I got flogged for the first 45, because <laughs> I had a good last 10.
0: So you roll out of, obviously, a stellar career, um, Hall of Famer. How, ma- how many people in the Hall of Fame of Nepal? I don't is there know? many? <laughs> I don't know. Like, is, is Hall of Fame like sort Put of Put it the this NRL way, she'd be in oh, oh, yeah, like, a, no, it's not yeah.
1: immortal. So they've. Um, Are they going to go to sort of that I status? I don't know. They might have legends in the Hall of Fame. I know that the. How bad is this that I don't know? Um, You're in there, so there's yeah. one. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, there's. I mean, but there's uh, some. Cox Co- is Coxie in there? Yeah, or? she yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. No. She's a, I mean, she's a superstar. Let's so so
0: you ahead. roll out of that and then obviously you've gone into the media, you've worked for numerous networks, obviously really paved the way okay, okay. Um, for women's sport. Do you think that grounding came about from those days of discussions with Bill Shorten, your leadership? Like where did that come from?
1: Oh, it really came from earlier than that. Like I just – I forgot about this story until just now. So um, I used to go to a Catholic school and um, – when I went to school, there were only altar boys, right? And my mum was horrified and she went and punched on, not literally, but really had to push hard with them so that girls could be altar all girls, right? So it just showed me that if you want something changed, you actually have to go and do it yourself and you have to be prepared to take the fight up. And if you see inequality, you actually – you don't whinge about it. You go and do something about it, right? So um, even though uh, my mum was fairly conventional, you know, um, she taught me that if – if you want to see something change you actually go and do it yourself and I don't know I always had a really strong sense of justice and a really strong sense of right and wrong and I used to think and I've always thought that women's sport netball in particular is a great product but it gets shortchanged by networks because a lot of the people who make the decisions in television or with media are men right so they don't have an affinity for the sport now that's starting Mm. to change and we've had to work really hard to get there but I do have a belief that We're really close to the point where we stop talking about women's sport.
2: One thing I've been fascinated with at women's sport, the age-old question gets in, you know, that women's sport just doesn't generate enough interest. But, you know, we're always arguing about equal pay. What about equal marketing? Yeah, There's no such thing as women's marketing. If we knew their stories, like if you told me about the Ugandan woman you talk about, the girl from Malawi... Like mate, you'd be invested in it because we just don't know the backstories. Like you hear Ronda Rousey, you talk UFC with Dana Wright, like you yeah, know. So, oh, there's so much to it. It's, and yeah, e- if, even if we knew their stories, I think we'd all get behind it. Totally, right? Some and of the some of the better
3: games last year of AFL and even the State of Origin for the women's yep. last year was like amazing games. Oh, it was fantastic, and, and entertaining game. Oh, and more the t so Twenty. Yeah, I the t Twenty was,
4: was unbelievable. Right? And it, yep.
1: like you look at the AFL women's, and I don't think and I've said, I'm on record as saying this, yeah. I don't think it's an elite competition yet. I think it's, yeah. they're still at the point where there's still players who are developing. If they're you're making still, their way. Yeah, if you're trying to pull players in from other sports who haven't done their 10,000 hours or whatever it is, you're still developing as a league. But people, like, you know, you get the narcs to go, eh, you know, it's a bloke's league that's propping them up. Actually, the, the growth figures for all of these football codes, where, they're starting to, where you make your money is grassroots, right? providing that service so the growth for all of these sports is in women at grassroots Mm. and that's where netball has a fight on its hands because we've always had the monopoly over the female grassroots now the kids can go and play football or whatever they want so netball's had to sharpen its pencil in terms of being a making a good proposition for good athletes to go and play but you're right like and I think sometimes our I know netball doesn't do it particularly well we're a bit like. Oh, you know, we'll just be nice and no, get out and punch on, get yeah. out and tell people your story and tell and sell the and house. And that's one thing you
2: you're and that's one thing Coxie mentioned, Catherine Coxie mentioned continuously like, if I ever go to a negotiation, I call Liz Ellis first. And is that your lawyer background or is it something we just go, you know what, stuff it, we're worth more than what you're selling, you know, what you're willing to pay us?
1: It's a bit of both. And I always say to the, like I say to the girls, don't accept the first thing you're offered, don't accept, you know, 400 bucks to turn up if you're an Australian representative if you accept it then it drags all our all our money down right to, to turn up to a corporate event clubs and schools are a different thing but if, if you're if a business wants to wants you to go along and talk to them it's because you're going to f- f- positively affect their bottom line so you know I, I had to talk Coxie into making sure that when she does stuff that she charges a commensurate amount because we, we as women we don't think that we're worth it whereas yeah I actually absolutely think that our experience and our stories and our, what we can impart around leadership and teamwork and that sort of stuff are absolutely worth it. So, yeah, you're right. So my legal background helps me. I, when I speak to her and the other girls, that helps with the strategy, right? So I can strategise yeah. with them how they get through a negotiation. I know it's a bit dry, but my gut feeling that we're worth more is what drives it.
0: So the Australian Rugby Union is looking for a new CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Rayleigh Castle, unfortunately, has moved on. Um, And I think we've talked about that on earlier podcasts, which I know you've listened to all of them except for Woody's because you don't want to pump up his downloads. Um, I will now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now he asked me one good question. Yeah. <laughs> oh right. I mean, I've got a few more. If there you come. went if you let's just say you took the you took the job of uh, the new CEO of uh, Australian rugby, what would you do?
1: I wouldn't take the job. And can I tell you why? Um, yeah. like I've always been really definite about what my priorities are and when we moved up to the North Coast, my husband had supported me all the way through my career and we decided to come here and have some great family time and we had a couple of got a couple of kids my priority is to my family right so my kids come first every decision that i make is around will this help me maximize time with my kids so i actually wouldn't take on a role like see <coughs> mm-hmm. <CEO of> <coughs> excuse me of australian rugby and i don't know what you guys think i actually think raylene was tr- treated abominably yeah, oh, yeah, yeah no, we've said, we we've oh, said oh, that yeah. numerous times oh, yeah. so we're, we're on yeah. board with that yeah, so yeah. I, I would want to make sure if i was going into an organization like that that i could I would have that there was some cultural change, and I think the danger for rugby, for example, and I love rugby. Obviously, I'm married to you know a rugby player, and I talk to a lot of people within the sport. I think the problem is rugby's under siege. Like I used to go to, you, know, you go to a private school in Sydney, and it's all rugby. Now you go to a private school and they've got soccer posts and they've got yeah. AFL posts right. and yeah. AFL yeah. is spending the rugby money. and, and poison, yeah, yeah, rugby has been able to operate as this really close private boys school sport and they can't afford to, right? The sad yeah. fact of the matter is they're really going to struggle. So I think that's a big job for the next CEO. I wouldn't do it. Um... I see my role for the next ten years as primarily being a mum, and um, that's sort of where my priorities are.
0: So we're going to offer you a job at the Tigers as a consultant, so you can spend plenty of time with your family. And they want to sign Israel.
1: No, I just look, because it's teams, it's it's culture and team. And he has shown himself, whatever his beliefs are, he has shown himself to put himself above the team and above mm. what the team culture requires. And. You know, it was interesting listening to Jamie's – when you guys interviewed Jamie last week, he was talking about, you know, when they recruit, they look at at kids who are good kids. And I think you can't build a team where a successful team – you can build a team that will go okay, but a successful team has to have that element of magic and that element of magic to win.
0: Why why do you think organisations or clubs miss that?
1: um so i think sometimes i go for the short term yeah. they're trying game. to do the quick fix yeah, aren't the they? Quick yeah. fix, you know plug a hole here get you know uh, you know you get an easy or you get someone like that who's yeah. a great athlete and you know it's just it doesn't work you actually have to build your team and build your culture slowly it's like you build easy come easy go you build fast you, it, it disintegrates fast if you build slowly and do it for the long term
2: it's frank panici the storm in it yeah. Yeah. Have
0: you yeah, spent any I time like down there?
1: I haven't spent any time with Frank, but I've spoken to... I've had some really interesting... Yeah, you have really interesting conversations with people, and one of the things... A journalist, um, a female journalist, who'd uh, done some stuff with the Storm, she talked about... Um, she went in and spoke to the players, and they... Um, Craig Bellamy made them... When someone comes into the room, you stand up, you shake your hand, their hand, you look them in the eye, right? That was a cultural thing. And that's yeah. such a little thing. Mm. But she was saying that that meant that all the stuff, the media stuff she got from them was really positive because once they'd looked you in the eye and shook your hand, they were comfortable with you and they felt like they could talk. present themselves yeah. and talk, right? Whereas mm. if you're... Mm, I don't want to bloody be here, whatever. <laughs> And then that's, that's... You're not giving good quality and then no-one knows who you are because the media think that what you're giving them is shit, right? So it's really fascinating about building that culture... And culture is not about the big ticket items. It's about doing the little things well about Mm. what, like I said before with the diamonds, what you do when no one's looking. And I think that's that's the greatest measure of culture.
2: I suppose the other thing I wanted to ask, in terms of a bloke and I watch netball, I love the game and it's a good game, but I think is there a way to make it? You know, I mean, we talk about the three-point line. Is there a way to change the scoring or put a power play in it? Or something. I know you get asked this all the time. It's like me with rugby. Why do you kick it so much, you <laughs>
0: freaking idiot? You know, like... I think your wife asked that. Your career would have been longer if you didn't kick <laughs> I, <kicked the> <laughs> like, um, I
1: love it. Like, now we're at the point... You, you know, you talk about women's sport, right? 20 years ago, and I'm 47, right? So 25 years ago, I, I would have done an interview and it would have been... The questions would have been, like... I remember going to an interview once and it was a football player and um, ex-football player, ex-rugby league player for the Tigers. Uh, <laughs> he goes to me... So when's ball going to start wearing tutus and G-strings, yeah, eh? Yeah. And then you'll get better. And I was like,
3: oh. Benny Elias. No, <laughs> Elias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: no. Nah. No, nah. nah, but you're not far off, yeah. right?
3: So uh, a roach.
1: <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, and he was saying it in jest, but it's like, oh, <laughs> f- Is that all you've y- got? Yeah. Right? Is that all you have? Yeah. And so, but whereas now, where, like yeah. you ask an intelligent question like that. Can you, j- well, okay, so, um. At the start of this year, before COVID hit, there was a a bushfire match, a bushfire relief match, Mm. and it was Australia versus all the internationals in uh, Suncourt Super Netball, and they actually had a two-point shooting line. And I bloody loved it. Did you love it? I love it. I I just love that. It just frustrates me that you couldn't get way to get back into the game if
2: you're down by one point or something like that. I just think it's it's just a – yeah, keep going.
1: And also, like, we've got to the point where we have these really huge goal shooters and it's a lob, and then once they get the ball – it's a foregone conclusion. I want the I want the goal attack shooting long bombs. Yeah, right? and I want like the Cath Cox, yes, like a Steph yes, Curry on, of yeah, the netball. Boom, long yeah. bomb, long yeah. bomb. So, look, they are investigating it. The people who are real netball traditionalists are fighting against it. I'm not a traditionalist. I'm very much of the belief that our sport is now an entertainment product and you have yeah. to actually look at it as an entertainment Well, you
2: entertainment wanted product. aggression too. You wanted to get in there, I way did. to get the ball, more contests for possession. Yeah,
1: and we've. I think we've got that now. I think it's really good. And, you know, I get emails from people going, yeah, it's your fault that people push and shove on the netball court. And I'm like, yes, it is. Absolutely, <laughs> I will take that.
0: So usually when we wrap up the podcast um, and if you listen to uh, Killers uh, right through to uh, completion, we have... The Barnsley ball bag question. Yes, yes. I actually
2: came up with a question. Well, if you could recruit any other player from you know any sport, um, who would it be to play on your netball team, male or female? Oh I just say any player who who could who could dominate the netball court. That's a
0: great birthday mm. question, Barnsley. It is. Yeah.
1: I reckon I'd love to see what Erin Phillips could do on the netball court. So she's um, uh, plays AFLW for the Adelaide yeah, Crows yeah, yeah. and yeah. also plays um, in the N. <clears throat> Uh, the WNBA yeah. in the United yes. States the women's basketball league yeah right um, so she's a phenomenally freaky athlete right I'd love to because she's got the ball skills but she's strong and you know she can punch and kick and all that sort of stuff so I'd I'd like to recruit her
3: Liz if there's any other position on the netball court I guess what would you pay besides goalkeeper okay. would there, was there any, any or did you start
1: I started at Goal attack, and okay. oh, actually, I started at centre because I'm really bossy, and so <laughs> yeah.
3: that's what I was going to say. I yeah. thought you might want to be in the middle, direct and track. It. It all,
1: but I'm not fit enough. Uh, and then I went to got put into goal shooter, but I can't shoot, and so I tend to be like my. It's funny, like I reckon your netball position gives a bit of your personality. I'm a, I'm a counterpuncher, right? In my humour, I'm a counter yeah. puncher. I don't, I don't set jokes. I know. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather actually punch you than <laughs> yeah. anything else. But, Heck. Um. Yeah. So, and that's I like to read the play, and I'm a pest, and. So, so
3: you wouldn't me. change?
1: I wouldn't change. I lo- and do you know, I love being goalkeeper because I've had to run a whole marketing campaign for years. I used to run little netball clinics for kids and they'd, I'd be like, who wants to play goal attack? And all the hot little blondies would go, me, I love playing goal attack. <laughs> and all the like, little smart girls would be like, oh, I'm really fast, i play centre. And you get to goalkeeper and there'd be no one. So I used to, have, like, to run a whole marketing campaign like, okay, the smart girls, all the smart girls have to come and play goalkeeper. And you can see the little goal attacks incentives going, oh my God, I'm so smart, why can I go and play goalkeeper? <laughs> Anyway, so now I think there's a few people who want to play goalkeeper. Can I ask as well?
3: Position. Is there anyone besides Van Dyke that you went against? Is there like a certain player, like a Jordan or a Johns, that made it look really easy? Or yeah, Laura,
1: th- Laura Langman. So Laura's super fit. Um, she just makes it look easy, you know. Like she just you watch her. She plays for Sunshine Coast Lightning. She just runs a mid Doesn't like doesn't look like she's huffing and puffing. She's just a freak show. So yeah, she, to me, she's, she's like the best she's, one you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah.
3: And so that's Senna?
0: Is she
1: Senna? Yeah, she's a yes, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: she's great. So Kondo's question is, um, we've had a couple of good questions along these lines um, with or actually answers from Wilsey and Killer and we're going to ask you a similar question or I'm going to ask you a similar question. What's your best bit of advice, not just netball, but to a junior sportsman that think they've got a future?
1: Um, understand, it's what we talked about at the start, if it is to be, it's up to me. If you're... if You're going to go anywhere. If you're going to have the career you want, you've got to go and get it. Don't expect anyone to hand it to you. You've got to get it. And the way you get it is don't think about making sacrifices because that's negative. Think the positive. Make your choices. So your choices might be I will not go out on a Saturday night. I will look after my body. I will eat the right things, right? They're not sacrifices. They're choices that you make towards getting what you want. But if you want to get what you want, there's no one else that's going to give it to you. you got to get it yourself.
0: Gold. That's it. Enough said. Barnesies birthday podcast. Done. Is it yep. your
1: birthday? Yeah,
2: 34 years young, Liz. Can't oh, you tell?
1: Stop it. Happy birthday. You don't look a day <laughs> over 50. You. Yeah, I don't, do I? No. Yeah. no. Really no. Thanks very much, Liz. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you.